one semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about ringing the wrong doorbell. And I'll be talking about the disappearance of Mirabelle Ramos. Oh, boy. Oh, that's a timely topic that you're covering Uh, there, Kristen. Yeah, it really is. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's going to be a big bummer. Okay. Uh, You know what else was a big bummer? Our bonus episode that we just recorded. Who was it? We apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you. Hey, you. Are you in a good mood? Oh, great. Would you like to not be? Check out our latest bonus episode. You have to pay. You have to pay to be depressed. (laughs) (laughs) $5 minimum to get access to all those meaty bonus episodes. Yeah, which now there are 46 of. Yes. Question mark. I no. feel confident about it. 46. Exclamation point. Yes. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. This one is the probably the biggest bummer of them all, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 If you if you give us even more money, you get all kinds of stuff. You get a sticker. You get our autographs. You get a monthly Zoom call. You get episodes a day early. You get them ad free. You get 10% off merch. Is there new merch coming? Why, yes, there is. We're working on it. LGTC thongs. No, we're not. Nobody asked for that. I know, but sometimes people don't know what they want until they see it in our store. Oh, uh, slight... A thong with a gavel. Uh, nobody wants that. <laughs> no. Uh, slight disclaimer for this episode. There oh, is yeah. a very loud truck outside doing, Lord only knows what, some kind of construction, but it is creating a hum in this room. So if you're hearing that, it's that's what that is. And hopefully it wraps up soon. I'm sorry. All of Kansas City is under construction. Yes. They're building entirely new roads from scratch, or at least that's how it feels. Yeah, and stages. Stages. Yeah, they're building a stage right in front of. Oh, Kristen, keep up. We just drove by it I, yesterday. I, two days okay, ago, I guess. NFL draft. The yeah, NFL whatever. draft is going to be here. They got a giant stage they're building down there. It's a very exciting time. <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> you know what else is exciting, Brandy? What? Doing an ad. Do. <laughs> Woo, doggies. Yeah. And we're back from the ad. Where's your noise? There you go. <laughs> oh, oh, listen to you. Miss, I hate the noise. Oh, wait, now I love the I noise. I never hated the noise. People complained cold, about the noise. Yes and you're no, you're in and you're out. <laughs> I have no shortage of songs that describe you, my dear. <laughs> if only I knew the words to the bitch's back. Oh, oh, look. That's rude. Oh, because the bitch didn't go anywhere. We've been with each other all day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, am I going first? You are. Yeah, that's how it works. Unfortunately. Okay, everyone. I got to turn my do not disturb on because the phone's blowing up over here. Are you popular or something? What's going on? So, Brandy, my dear, there have been like five million very depressing stories in the past five days. Yeah. 
most recently, and I think the one that sticks out most to us is because it just happened here right. in Kansas City, is Ralph Yarl. So Ralph Yarl, last week, he was sent by his mother to pick up his twin siblings from a friend's house. It was like 10 o'clock at night. He was sent to an address that he had never been to before, and he ended up at a house one street over from where he was right. supposed to go. He and so he just got confused. Yeah, he rang the doorbell, and a man opened the door and shot him twice. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. And of course, you add the really fun layer of Ralph is a black teenager. Mm -hmm. The shooter was white. And initially it looked like the guy who shot a kid wasn't going to face any kind of consequences. They questioned him and released him saying they needed to do further investigation. Seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, that story. He has since been arrested, just for yeah. the record. Well, but he's I, already bonded out, so that's super cool. So, Ralph did survive, thankfully. Yeah. Yes. Thank God. Yes. I, mean, I don't know how he, he was, was shot, shot twice. in the head. Yes. Above his eye. It hit the frontal lobe. Like, the bullet was in his head for 12 hours before they could remove it. Yeah. It's, okay. it's awful. So, Norman and I were talking about that story. And he said, hey, did you ever hear the story of Yoshi Hattori? And I was like, no. Yeah. So he started telling me and Mm -hmm. I was like, "Okay, well, that seems really timely and horrible. So here we go. That's what we're talking about today. So thank you to Norm for suggesting this case. 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 This case. This case. When you're sad, you just add an H to things. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes you seem more distinguished. And happier. Because you added an H. You know what I do sometimes? What? I've noticed. I've noticed any time I talk about my depression, Uh I say it like depression. Yeah. Like you're in a musical? That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels grand. Yeah. And kind of exciting. And like, maybe I should be showing cleavage. Uh, yeah, sure. And also like in a, a very big flouncy gown. dress. Yeah. 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 Not just like, Absolutely. not random cleavage. No. Obviously. Obviously. The pressure. Do you picture yourself like jumping onto a street light and like <laughs> spinning around it? No, because it's not really happy. No, I That's know. That's what you do when you're joyful. Oh, okay. That's when the manic phase enters. <laughs> 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 on the light pole. Duh. Excuse Not me. Not light pole. Street lamp. Street lamp. Light pole. Light pole works. I know, but I, light pole gives a different... It's too modern. Oh, yeah. It is and a, in it's an old-timey street lamp. Where yes. I'm, you know, using vel- velvet to, like, encase my cleave. You know, that's old-timey stuff. I thought you were going to say Velcro at first. Oh, well, I mean, that... Hey, has anyone thought about that? <laughs> Velcro your titties? Well, I'm just thinking, like... I feel like there's an opportunity for a real powerful sports well, bra. Oh, that just, exists. That exists. With Velcro. Yes, it has Velcro straps. Okay, so you, oh, like, oh, you load seen. yourself yes. into it. Yeah. And then you take those straps and you, you Velcro them back as far as you can to get that super compressed 
Okay, I have seen those before. I don't yeah. buy it. Okay, you don't think it works? No, I you think... You don't think that Velcro's strong enough? No, I hold think... hold up dim titties? Absolutely not, especially because I've seen it with sports bras. It is a sports bra. Like, this is a, yeah. the, one that I'm, the one that I am specifically mm-hmm. describing is a sports bra. Yeah, and what I am yeah. telling you today, my friend, is, that is I'd work? get... Well, no, I guess I don't technically know, but uh-huh. I just have a feeling uh-huh. that I would get on a treadmill. And then I'd just start one going. titty is just flopping free because that Velcro has given way. Absolutely. All right. And then all of a sudden, Planet Fitness has to have a talk with me. (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone's embarrassed. (laughs) Do you have one of these bras? No, I've just seen it on, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like an Instagram ad or something. Yeah, no, what I'm proposing is more of a Velcro strappy. Oh, to push them together. That pushes the cups together. Yes. And it's not a sports bra. So you're not running. You're just like sitting around looking very alluring. If you're jumping on street lamps, you probably need... Well, it's a one jump thing. Something kind of supportive. You're not just like happy all the time. It's, it's It's a one jump thing. Okay. I'm pretty happy most of the time. Yeah, this is not about you. This okay. is about me <laughs> singing depression. <laughs> do you not have depression? I do not. Have you ever had depression? I have not. Mm-hmm. I think I have like the opposite thing. Okay. No, no, no. I just think that I have like, just, like no, no. I think that like my brain makes like just like a lot of happy chemicals, and I'm a, wi- able to just you know. Oh, and you're just snarfing them down. Yeah. Not sharing them with anybody, huh? I'm using them all. I up. don't know that there's Let's a way see. to share them. <laughs> 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 Let's get a stainless steel straw up your nose. Maybe we I can suck some of those out. I mean, there's something going on there because uh-huh. my. The things I have learned about my life is I was in a pretty terrible marriage for a long time and had no idea. So. It was shocking to you. <laughs> yeah, it was shocking to me. I was maybe the most shocked of anyone to learn it. The most, the only, the few. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes our brains do lie That's to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think my brain's like doing the opposite. It's producing like a lot of those happy chemicals. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, see, mine, I got to get the store-bought stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mine does, what? Well, what? I just had a really dark thought. Maybe What's mine's just going to, like, I'm I'm using more than my allotted amount, so it's just going to, like, run out one day. Oh, that would be such great schadenfreude for me. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, five years from now, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know what it is, but I just I don't want to shower today. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 yeah. So what you have there is no problem. (laughs) I bet you wish you were swinging from a lamppost right now, but you're not. Did you just look at the clock? I did because we've yet to start a case, and we're yeah. Well, many minutes into that, Brandy, (laughs) I'm doing the thing I often do. When we stall, it's also a two-episode week. It is. Oh, yeah. That is important for people to know because, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we're barely holding it together We at recorded point. the bonus episode. It was horribly depressing. Yes. Afterward, Norm was like, how'd the episode go? And we were like, terrible. It was horrible. Great. But thank yeah. you for asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, now I'm, I've got another bad story and I'm just... Instead, I'm inventing bras with Velcro across the cups. Okay. Why don't you tell us the story? Um, 
She's rude, isn't she, folks? <laughs> yes, she is. Oh. oh, is that the the crowd of listeners yeah, responding yeah. back? That's okay. them be like, oh, we're always on your side. <laughs> <laughs> Talk more about politics. <laughs> <laughs> you seem really fun. <laughs> okay, Brandy, please stop stalling, all right? We don't uh-huh. have the time. Yeah. Okay. Yoshihiro Hattori, who went by Yoshi, was born in Nagoya, Japan. I don't mean to interrupt you because you've just started. Oh. But typically you give sources at the beginning and you did not do that. Do you want to do that? You know what? I do. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Okay. A lot of this comes from the New York Times. A lot of it comes from, oh gosh, lots of different articles, honestly, because there's a documentary about this case, but Uh it cost like $157. Oh my gosh. And, okay, yeah. you know, no. It's a bit pricey. Yeah. I th- I thought so. Yeah. When it comes to movies, I'm willing to download. It's like $4, yeah, maybe exactly. 5 is the max. Yeah. But I did find a show that some blessed soul uploaded to YouTube. It uh-huh. was from like 94 or something. Okay. Justice Files. Oh, yeah. I remember you were when Justice what? Files I had was never, on. Yeah. Okay. I had no memory. Anyway. Yeah. Great episode. Okay. Enjoyed the Justice Files. And now I will start my case, which was rudely interrupted by a very happy woman. (laughs) Yoshihiro Hattori, who went by Yoshi, was born in Nagoya, Japan, which it's a good thing you had me start again because I just mispronounced the name of this city. Okay. So, and now I did it properly. Uh Well, I know better because I did write notes to myself. Yeah. I know sometimes people think that I'm no. not even trying when it comes no. to pronunciation. I am. I'm just very bad Did at it. Did you say pronunciation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as an intentional joke. <laughs> because I'm very funny. What? <laughs> Did I say pronunciation? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> anyway... Are you done making fun of the beautiful, big-titted woman who sits before you? (laughs) Beautiful, (laughs) big-titted woman. (laughs) He was born into an upper-middle-class family. His dad was an engineer. His mom was a stay-at-home mom, and he had two siblings, one younger, one older. Yoshi was super outgoing. He never had any trouble making friends. Also, because some people really do have it all, you should know that he was also very handsome and athletic. I'm very happy for him. You don't get jealous when you hear about people like this? No, I think that's amazing. That's why I fucking love, like, the Olympics and stuff, because it is amazing to see people who are so talented at things I am not talented at. Okay, right. But, like, if you also found out that they were, like, super smart and hot, you'd continue to be happy for them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Me too. I wouldn't be like, that's unfair. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, I'm also jealous, but I am also happy for Mm -hmm, them. Yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. Um, By the time Yoshi got to high school, he was super into rugby. Uh, I know all about that sport and also always ready for an adventure. Mm. So when he was like 14 or 15, he took a test for the American Field Service, which is an exchange student program. Oh, okay. Yoshi passed the test, and he got really excited about the idea of going to a new country. He had visions of making wherever he ended up a second home. 
In an essay that he wrote for the program, he wrote about one day introducing his host family to Japanese cooking, like, you know, tempura fish, and teaching them about the Japanese way of life. Did you, would you ever have done this as a kid? No. Yeah, you couldn't have paid me. No. I was scared enough to go to our regular high school. Yes, absolutely. Don't send me somewhere else. No. Yeah. (laughs) In the summer of 1992, Yoshi got his wish. He was going to spend his senior year of high school in America. And it was so exciting. Yoshi didn't speak a ton of English. You know, he'd studied it in school, but there's obviously a huge difference between taking a few language courses and being fluent in another language. Absolutely. Huge difference. But that was okay. That's what an exchange program is for. You get to immerse yourself in another culture. You learn a ton. So that summer, Yoshi flew over to the United States to live with his new host family. My personal opinion, Yoshi lucked out with this host family. He'd been placed with the Haymakers. And, I mean, the mom, Holly Haymaker, in addition to having an amazing name, was a doctor. And the dad, Dick Haymaker, was a physics professor, I believe, at Louisiana State University. And they had us, what, Brandy? (laughs) Brandy, you are so immature. I am. A Haymaker is a punch. So that guy's name is Dick Punch. Haymaker is a punch? It's a tight yeah, it's like a it's like a punch in boxing, isn't oh. it? Oh. <laughs> You're asking me? <laughs> Give me a break. Okay, Google it, lady. I'm looking at <laughs> Because I So you really think his name is like Dick Punch? Everyone she's Googling intently. She's smiling and kind of covering her mouth because yeah, she doesn't want to be this person. She doesn't want to be the woman in her thirties laughing at a <laughs> It's not even a dick joke. It's just the word dick. (laughs) Haymaker is a punch delivered with great force, especially one that results in a knockout. Well, I mean, you punch a guy right in the dick and that'll do it. Oh, that's not what I'm picturing. (laughs) You're picturing getting punched with a dick. With a dick. Yeah, obviously. You can get slapped with a dick. I don't think you can get punched with a dick. Mm. Well, what are they charging at you? Like it's a javelin? Sure. Yeah. All right. Listen, we don't want to hear about your weekend plans. <laughs> no one needs to know. Although now you do have me thinking about a knight's tale. Yeah. I wouldn't have minded. Okay. Anyhow, um, by the way, how dare you? Because one of the sources referred to him as Richard. Oh, okay. And I was like, you know what? This story's too serious. If I call him Dick, she's going to be really immature. Mm-hmm. But then... He goes by Dick is the thing. Okay. And so that's what he it's goes by. It's not funny at all. Yeah. Nope. Okay. I'm a very mature 36-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. 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 36 and like three quarters. I'm almost 37. Yeah. So I'm you very, wouldn't know I'm it. I'm very mature. I don't think there's anything funny about the name Dick Haymaker. All right. Great. <laughs> they also had a son. His name was Schlong McGee. (laughs) And I suppose you have something to say about that. (laughs) No, his name was Webb. (laughs) His name was Webb? Yes, W-E-B. Like short for Webster, you think? Well, I don't know, because they... 
it was W E B B. Do you oh. get to add another letter when you're shortening? Short or? for Webulin. Okay. This is if, Weber. Oh, short for Weber. I bet. Yep, that has yeah. to be it. Okay. Yeah. All mystery right. solved. Yeah, it's like a family name, probably that they've turned into a first name. We've got it. We solved the mystery. All right. And Schlong McGee, to be clear, <laughs> was just a hilarious joke. <laughs> So Webb was 16, just like Yoshi. So, you know, this seemed like it was going to be a really good match. They'd get to go to school together. And, you know, I don't know what you hope for in this situation is they become best friends forever. Absolutely. Right? Yes. They're in each other's weddings. Like, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my. What? My ex-in-laws. They. Um, so my. Jesus is so yeah. complicated. Yeah, you're you're not uh, looking awkward at all. Well, what's what's yeah. wrong? Anyway, like the they <laughs> I your ex in laws, the penises. No, that was their... <laughs> they hosted when they hosted Jesus, an exchange trying, student. Yeah, they hosted an exchange student. <laughs> they the whole the whole family has remained in in contact with that student. They visit. Her, she visits them. It's wonderful. Lifelong friendship. I am so glad we got through that story. That was amazing and totally worth it. (laughs) Patty, here is my prediction. She is going to listen to that whole thing. Don't you dare. Go ahead and do it right now. Don't you dare, Patty. It's an amazing, amazing story of Brandy bending over backwards, going, Why did I start this story? No, it's good. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, that's exactly what you that's hope what to you happen hope for. Yes, yes. And then you hope that one day someone talks about it on a podcast and goes <laughs> very awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> the haymakers were experienced hosts. They'd hosted exchange students, I believe, twice before. And worth mentioning, if you had to stay somewhere, the haymakers' home was not a bad option. They lived they good snacks. Oh, you know what? I bet they didn't. Mm-hmm. Now that you mention it, she was a physician. Oh. She looked. Um, I'm. I'm just gonna give you a vibe here. Mm-hmm. We got an almond mom situation. Well, perhaps. I'm just thinking. I read in her the same energy that is in me when I'm like, you know, I could make fettuccine Alfredo, but what if I did it with Greek yogurt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I. I yeah. feel like I saw. Mm-hmm. I saw. Um, Glimpses of myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I'm trying to tell you is they had a nice home with a pool, Brandy. Oh, shit. Can you imagine how lucky you'd feel? That would be amazing. Yes. So they lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and again, they had a pool. So Yoshi arrived in his new home in the United States, and the haymakers just instantly loved him. He was really fun. He was kind of a free spirit. He was super sweet. Right away, he began referring to Holly and Dick as mom and dad, which I think is so yeah, endearing. That's, yeah, that's super sweet. Again, you know, he didn't speak much English, so he kind of, you do what you can in that situation. Yeah. You express yourself a lot through kind of playful movement, you know. And just as everyone hoped, Yoshi and Webb hit it off. Unfortunately, they did have a terrifying moment like 10 days into Yoshi's arrival. Apparently, Webb had a bunch of friends over, and they were all playing out back in the pool, and they started a game of Marco Polo, and Webb accidentally dove into the shallow (gasps) end of the pool and broke his neck. Holy shit. Uh, He ended up being fine, 
but I'm guessing that scared the ever-loving shit out of everyone. Yes. So Webb had to wear a neck brace for Mm -hmm. a while. Aside from that, things were going pretty well. I mean, that sounds like the most traumatic moment you're going to have of the year, Absolutely. That fall, Yoshi and Webb started their senior years at McKinley High. So I imagine for most people, it would be really hard to start a new school in a new country in a new language. Yeah. (laughs) You know what's funny? I'm like literally just realizing that I have done this. You have done that. Uh, But I was in second grade. I think it's so much easier when you're young. Yes. Anyway, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, But Yoshi did just fine. His classmates really seemed to love him. Again, he's handsome. He's really funny. Uh, One time he showed up a little late to a football game and his classmates saw him and started chanting, Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshi. And, you know, he's a total ham. So he was grinning and busted out a little tap dance. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. He signed up for a jazz dance class. I believe it was through the school. And, I mean, evidently he was super popular in this jazz dance class. And I am assuming it's because it was one of those things where no other guys were in the class. And so he's the one guy in this jazz class, don't you think? Yeah. And so all the girls are, like, in love with him? Yes. <laughs> Everything okay with your throat, Yeah, ma'am? it's fine. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry is right now the only, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the only boy in this gymnastics class. Uh-huh. And, um... He is the worst. Oh, no. But <laughs> everyone loves it. Lo- yeah. I mean, yeah. he, you know, everyone loves it. Everyone loves him. Of course. He's the little boy out there. He started late, you know. Yeah. And, you know, maybe us Pitts folks aren't the most coordinated in the world. No, Kyla is very coordinated. Oh, yeah, she is. Kyla's an amazing dancer. So. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> Um, I have noticed you've not said anything about my dancing. You also sometimes dance. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, I guess all that wonderful dancing I did at your wedding went unnoticed. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be up on stage, but I did it for the crowd. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, the Haymakers made it a point to show Yoshi around, and at one point they all went to a local blues festival together. And as Holly remembers it, it took Yoshi, like, no time whatsoever to spot a Japanese girl who was also an exchange student. Yeah. Struck up a conversation, yada, yada, yada. She ended up inviting him to a Halloween party. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that was kind of awesome. Where's Chuck Woolery when you need him? How many times... (laughs) As many times as I can. Everyone, if you're like, that's a love connection joke Mm -hmm. is what that is. Hey, do you want to make any pop culture references to like the 1930s? (laughs) That'd be good. Maybe some 1890s jokes. (laughs) Anyway, Yoshi and Um, Chuck Woolery was very popular in the early 1990s. So it's very timely for this case. Very popular in the 1990s. What it? That's when Love Connection was on. God. (laughs) I'm very sorry. I didn't realize that you and Chuck Woolery were close personal friends. I didn't realize that you exchanged Christmas cards with the man. 
I wish. That you flew on his private jet. <laughs> Anyhow, Yoshi and Webb were going to go to a Halloween party at a girl's house. Yoshi was pumped for this party. He'd become kind of obsessed with John Travolta, so he decided that for the party, he wanted to go as John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Oh. That night, he put on a white tux and a ruffled button down and I assume some flashy jewelry because why wouldn't you? Yoshi normally wore contact lenses. Lenses. No T in sight (laughs) in that word. I'm not sure why, but he didn't put them in that night. Okay. Webb, I must say, didn't put in nearly as much effort to his costume. What'd he dress up as? I don't know that you can call it anything, okay? Like, and I'm not mad, but <laughs> you sound kind of mad. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Like, he had his neck brace. Uh-huh. And I guess he felt like, well... I need to make this part of a costume. And so he just added some bandages to himself. Oh, yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Yeah, he's like an accident survivor. Yeah, I mean, but like Yoshi's bringing the fire. All right. The fever. (laughs) Bringing the fever. (laughs) The Saturday night fever. And it was a Saturday (gasps) night. Wow. Okay, that's, I don't want to hear your sarcasm. I think that's kind of cool. Anyway. (laughs) That night, Webb and Yoshi headed out for the party. It was Saturday, October 17th, 1992, and, you know, it was around like 8 o'clock at night. This party was taking place in an area of Baton Rouge that Webb wasn't super familiar with, so they got a little lost. Eventually, they got on the right street. It was East Brookside. And they came upon a house that just kind of had to be it. Mm Mm-hmm. It had a bunch of Halloween decorations, you know, paper skeleton, plastic ghost, and there were three cars in the driveway, and the boys looked at the numbers on the house, and they read 10311. And Webb was like, oh, this is it. They'd arrived at 10311 East Brookside, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is, should I look this up? Yeah, if you want. I well, was wondering why you were want? sitting on your ass. <laughs> 10311 East Brookside, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing a house. Oh, yeah, a little brick number. <laughs> it's a little brick number. A little brick number. I like these little archy windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of your standard brick ranch. Yeah. Got an interesting little carport. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm-mm. Neither do I. <laughs> what Webb didn't realize was that the address they were looking for was 10131 East Brookside. Oh, no. So they just transfixed two of the numbers. Right. Transposed two of the numbers? Yes. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. Transported the numbers to another place. <laughs> so the party was actually being held five doors down. And boy, that shouldn't be such an ominous, terrible no, thing. No, it sure shouldn't. But this is America. Mm-hmm. Easy, childish can be now. Is that a line from a song? Yes, That's it is. That's the name That's of a song. <laughs> childish can be now. <laughs> Yoshi and Webb obviously didn't know that they were at the wrong house. 
So, you know, they walked up, went to the door, knocked, and no one answered. Seemed a little weird. Then they noticed a woman open the door to the ugly carport. That's just me being rude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Webb told her, we're looking for the party. And the woman quickly slammed the door shut. Webb and Yoshi were pretty confused. Yeah. But they figured, all right, we must be at the wrong place because that was weird. Yeah. So they just walked away. They were nearly to the street when someone opened the carport door again. That person was a 30-year-old man named Rodney Pierce. He was a butcher for the local Winn-Dixie supermarket, and he was holding a gun. We like peers like Piers Morgan or like peers as I'm like peering at you. It's like peers like I peered into the microphone and I knocked it with my hand. No one's going to hear that because I only hit the pop filter. They're going to hear it. They're not. They're going to know deep down. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be like, I feel like Brandy made a terrible mistake. (laughs) No, it's spelled... P-E-A-I-R-S, which I think is very complicated. It's not Paris? Multiple articles told me that it was pronounced Pierce. Okay, I love it. I don't know what to tell you. That's great. That's how I'm choosing to pronunciate it all. (laughs) (laughs) So it's impossible to know what Yoshi made of this situation, Mm -hmm. Um, judging from the way he reacted, it's pretty clear he didn't understand what was going on because Yoshi got really excited. He started walking toward the man, kind of singing, we're here for the party. We're here for the party. Yeah. He was so happy. Rodney yelled at Yoshi to freeze, but Yoshi didn't seem to understand what he meant by that. I'm sure that he wouldn't. No. No. It's like even if you know what the word means, you would probably know it in the traditional sense. Yes. But even then, that if you don't have a good grasp on the language, freeze would not be one of the no. words you would know necessarily. No. So he kept walking toward the man, still excited to go to the party. Meanwhile, Webb spotted the man's gun and he could see that Yoshi didn't understand yeah. that he was in danger. Maybe Yoshi thought this was a Halloween prank. Maybe Yoshi didn't even see the gun because, again, he didn't have his contact lenses. Mm -hmm. So so Webb yelled, Yoshi, no, Yoshi, come back. But Rodney was yelling, too, and so was Yoshi. He was talking about being there for the party, and, you know, he's smiling, laughing. Yoshi was about five feet from Rodney when Rodney fired the gun. Oh, my gosh. He shot Yoshi in the chest, then slammed the door shut. Oh, my gosh. Webb immediately ran to a neighbor's house for help. He asked them to call 911. Then he ran back to Yoshi's side. Yoshi was still alive. He was moaning and crying. Rodney and his wife, Bonnie, stayed inside. Bonnie did eventually call 911. She said that her husband had shot, quote, a boy. Soon, an ambulance arrived on the scene. It took Yoshi away, but he died on the way to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Dick and Holly Haymaker were out at the movies when this happened, but, you know, police were able to get a hold of Holly via her pager. Uh 
So she returned the call and they told her that Webb and Yoshi had been in some sort of accident, that Webb was fine, but Yoshi wasn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Holly was like, oh, okay, well, we'll meet you at the hospital. Yeah. And the officer said, that won't be necessary. Oh, my gosh. So Dick and Holly went to the police station to get their son. And, I mean, it just sounds like he was kind of shell-shocked. Yeah. Holly told him that Yoshi had died, and Webb just put his head in his hands, and he said, his poor mother. Oh, my gosh. It was awful. Yeah. Yoshi was dead because they'd rung the wrong doorbell. doorbell. Are you kidding me? The haymakers were very upset, and they were also very worried for Yoshi's family. They were about to find out that their son had been killed so far from home. Yoshi's mom, Mieko, got the news when someone who worked for the exchange program called her. She said that when she found out, she went into Yoshi's bedroom and just cried herself to sleep. Yoshi's family was devastated. I can't even imagine. And being, I mean, you're a world away. Right. I think, oh, gosh, that just adds a whole nother layer to it, I feel like. Yeah. To add to that is the fact that gun violence is extremely uncommon in Japan. Yeah. Civilians don't have handguns in Japan. You know, there are very few deaths Mm -hmm. from gun violence. And Mm -hmm. usually when people do die from gun violence, it's, I believe they said it was like associated with organized crime. So like, it's just not something that's going to happen to a 16-year-old who shows up at the wrong house. Yeah. Within a few days, the Hattori's flew out to Baton Rouge. Their first stop was to the morgue. This story became huge international news, particularly in Japan. People were stunned by Yoshi's death. And they became a whole lot more outraged when Rodney Pierce wasn't charged with a crime. What now? Yeah. I mean, the same, same shit yeah. that just happened here. Uh, it turned out police had questioned him, and they'd almost immediately released him. They felt that he was totally within his rights to shoot Yoshi. Yoshi had trespassed, you see, onto Rodney's property, therefore it was totally fine to shoot him. He's protecting his property, standing his ground, if you will. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. These cases infuriate me. Yeah. But not everyone saw it that way. Yeah, what did this guy think this kid was going to do to him? Um, okay. So what what do you think happened? Why do you think you shot him? I have no idea. Okay. You'll find out. Okay. You'll, well, you'll find out what he says. Yeah. The governor of Louisiana and really a lot of people internationally were like, no, Rodney Pierce needs to face charges. He killed a kid. Yeah. So thanks to that pushback, Rodney was eventually charged with manslaughter. With a criminal trial in the works, Yoshi's parents were left to deal with their grief and their shock. On the flight back home, Yoshi's mom, Mieko, said that at one point everyone was asleep on the flight. But she couldn't sleep. 
And she felt that in a way her son was there with her. And she felt like he was telling her to do something with her grief. So she did. And so did her husband. They decided that the best thing they could do in the wake of their son's death was to try to make a positive change in the world. The Hattori's started a petition in Japan calling for the removal of handguns from American homes. Wow. The exact number kind of changes, and obviously they got more as this Mm -hmm. petition grew, but they collected approximately 1.6 million signatures, which they then presented to the United States ambassador. The haymakers joined the Hattori's in their activism. Dick began a petition in the United States. It was obviously a lot less popular here. Yeah. But he dedicated a lot of time to it. This was before the Internet. So he oh, made yeah. a bunch of phone calls, got a fax machine in their home. He's a fairly soft-spoken guy, but this really fired him up. He told the media, the real issue is that the United States has not grown up. That frontier mentality is not out of the national psyche. And um, because he'd said that, Dick then received a very threatening phone call from a dude who loves guns. Great. There you go. Depending on who you asked, this wasn't just about gun violence. This was also about racism. In an interview, Holly said that Yoshi's race definitely played a role in Rodney's decision to pull the trigger. She said... I've often wished that we had a French boy or a Norwegian boy because I'm not sure that that boy would have been shot. Yeah, she's Absolutely. probably right. Yeah. Absolutely. When it came time to select a jury, the prosecution had their work cut out for them. One potential juror said that she didn't understand how this case was going to trial. Okay, goodbye. Mm-hmm. She said, a man's home is his castle. Oh, for fuck's sake. This kid was in the driveway. Right. Um, Asking about a party. Yeah. The woman was dismissed from the jury. Meanwhile, the defense was able to dismiss every single potential juror who didn't believe that people should keep guns in their home, which I'm guessing in Louisiana was like three people. Right. I don't know. Um, (laughs) This is another thing I read but did not write down. I read that the defense attorney, oh, shit, I should have written this down. But, okay, so picture it. He's got all the potential jurors right there. And he's Uh like, you know, we have a social contract that I'm not going to, you know, charge at you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And just for some theatrics, he kind of out of nowhere in the middle of his story charged at a juror Mm -hmm. and startled them. And he's like, see, that's my point. I came at you and it surprised you. I broke the social contract that we had. That's stupid. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. Like, okay, yeah, I don't expect someone to come at me really fast. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to be startled. Uh Do I have the right to shoot you? No. No. And also, that's not what happened here. Mm -hmm. Knocked on the door. The wife answered, then she went back in, and then the guy came out fully knowing that these two teenagers were at his in front of his house. Mm-hmm. He wasn't surprised to find them out there. 
I don't know. I don't know. Okay, continue. A lot of reporters came in from Japan to cover the trial. This case was a big deal. By that point, the Japanese government had begun publishing a guide for Japanese tourists who wanted to visit the United States. It included learning the American meaning of freeze and hands up. Mm -hmm. Rodney's trial took place over the course of one week in May of 1993. The big question was whether he'd acted reasonably when he used deadly force against Yoshi. District Attorney Doug Moreau focused on how quickly and carelessly Rodney had acted that night. He pointed out to the jury that when Bonnie told Rodney to get his gun, Rodney hadn't asked any questions. He'd just done it. That was not what a reasonable person would do. No, it's not. Plus, Rodney was six foot two. He was 30 years old. Yoshi was five foot six, 16, and he weighed 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. He was dressed like John Travolta. Did Rodney really think he was in serious danger? Right. Coverage of the trial indicates that the prosecution took a pretty dry approach. Webb actually later criticized the prosecutor for never bringing up the issue of race. That was clearly a factor. Absolutely. But you know who didn't think that race was a factor in this case? Brandy? Defense? Yeah, that would be Rodney's defense attorney, Louis Unglesby, who sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He painted Yoshi as a wild, erratic, terrifying young man. No, he's a 16-year-old kid who was excited to go to a Halloween party. Oh, no, 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 no. Was he 16? How old was he? Yeah, he was 16. Yeah. In opening statements, the defense said that on the night of October 17th, Yoshi acted in a menacing, aggressive fashion. Lewis said, and this is a direct quote, This is not an American or Oriental or any other known being casually walking up to the front door and saying, Hello, we're looking for the party. That's not what happened. He said, Yoshi had an extremely unusual way of moving. It's been described as aggressive. It's been described as kinetic. It's been described as antsy. It's been described as scary. He would come right up to you as fast as he could. Okay, so you look pretty terrified. That's so fucking ridiculous. He's making Yoshi sound like he wasn't a person. Yeah. No yeah. one in any culture yeah. walks like this. Yeah. No human being, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. He was singing and dancing. Right. Then the defense described Rodney. Rodney was an average Joe, one of your neighbors. He worked down at the Wind Dixie. He was a pretty good mechanic. He liked sugar in his grits. He's just like you, Brandy. Ah, just great. And do you know what Rodney did when he discovered? I do like sugar in my grits. Mm-hmm. Whiskey in your tea. What? What's all these crazy questions you're asking me? What is that? This is the craziest party I have ever seen. What the fuck is this? Is there song Mama lyrics? Mama told me not to come. Oh. 
That ain't the way to have fun, son. There are some people who are loving this moment. Yes. And others who are confused but intrigued. Those are the only two categories. All You're right. absolutely right. Um, also, just for just for notes, um, the truck outside has gotten louder. I, yes, so somehow apologies. this has gotten worse. Um, it's 5.07. They've got to be wrapping it up. How dare they work past 5 o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> Don't they have margaritas to drink? <laughs> Brandy, do you know what Rodney did when he discovered that he'd killed Yoshi? What's the defense going to say he did? Because I'm not sure that's what he actually did, but I'd love to hear what they he say. He cried. Mm. He cried and mm-hmm. cried. And you know what? Mm-hmm. No killer cries and cries when they kill someone. So that's mm-hmm. how you know he's not a real killer. Mm-hmm. He's just a dude, just like yourself, defending his home from a very scary teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Webb, of course, testified at the trial. So did Rodney's wife, Bonnie. She said that when she opened the door to the carport that night, she'd seen Yoshi coming around the corner. First, she'd seen Webb, and she Uh was not alarmed by Webb. Wonder why. Yeah, because he's a white kid. Yeah. Yeah. Then she'd seen Yoshi coming around the corner, laughing or smiling, and he'd scared the ever-loving shit out of her. Mm Mm-hmm. She said, he was coming real fast towards me. I had never had somebody come at me like that. I was terrified. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, here's the thing. Like, Sure, maybe, you could be scared. You, maybe you yeah. were scared. Go in your house. Lock your door. Right. Call the fucking police. Right. Don't shoot a kid in your driveway. Right. Asked to describe Yoshi, she said, and this is a quote, I guess he appeared oriental. He could have been Mexican or whatever. He was taller than me and his skin was darker colored. Neat. Bonnie maintained that it was Yoshi's fast movements that scared her, not his race. Definitely not his race. Yeah. After that, she slammed the door shut and called for her husband to get his gun. And he hadn't asked any questions. He'd just gone and gotten his gun. She cried on the stand. She said she wished she'd thought more. What's that face for? This is just, I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me. I just can't imagine having this reaction to a kid dancing and singing uh, his way up up toward your house. Like, I can see maybe being like, startled. I don't know this kid. Right. Can I help you with something? Did you need something? I mean, that's what you literally uh, said, said to, to the guy who, who broke, broke into my garage. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't. Oh, and if you legitimately are startled, you're scared by this person, mm-hmm. go in your house and lock the fucking door. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so simple, yeah. right? Yep. 
On cross-examination, the prosecution got Bonnie to acknowledge that even though she'd claimed she'd only seen Yoshi, you know, for just, you know, a few seconds because mm-hmm. he'd come at her so fast and she'd shut the door. Um, when she did call 9-1, 9-1. <laughs> then she, she added the second one yeah. is the oh, problem. Oh, my gosh. So then she did that and yeah. then she got connected. Yeah. Um, when she did call 911, she said that a boy had been shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she must have gotten a pretty good look at him. Yeah. Rodney testified in his own defense. He talked about his wife telling him to get his gun and how she'd never reacted that way before. So he did it without asking questions. Mm-hmm. He said he'd gotten the gun, gone out to the carport, seen the two teenagers, and became frightened when Yoshi came toward him. Yoshi was holding something in his outstretched arms. It was a camera. Okay. Rodney told the jury, I wanted him to stop. He didn't. He kept coming. The next thing I remember, I was scared to death. This person was not going to stop. This person was going to do harm to me. He said, I felt I had no choice. I couldn't understand why this person wouldn't stop. Dude, go back in your house and lock your fucking door. Yeah. That's an option. Yeah. Rodney cried several times on the witness stand. At one point, his lawyer asked him if he thought anything good could come out of this whole, this whole situation. Oh, I'd love to hear his response to that. Well, I mean, I, I do think something good can come out of tragic situations. Yeah. Here's what Rodney says is the good thing that could come from this. That Mr. Hattori can understand how I feel. Fuck all the way off. Yeah. Oh, this is about you. Okay. Yeah, so Yoshi's dad had come to stay for the whole trial. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you want him to understand how you feel. Okay. Okay. That's the best That's thing the goal here. that That's can the, come yeah. out of this yeah. tragedy. Mm-hmm. In his closing statement, District Attorney Doug Moreau said, he goes back to the bedroom, gets the gun, never, ever asking, hey, what's up? What's out there? What would you like me to do? It's his conduct in going to the closet and getting the biggest handgun made by human beings and never asking what it's for. Mm -hmm. He had plenty of time to inquire, but he did not. He had a telephone, windows he could look out of. He was safely behind his locked door, and he had this gun in his hand. He was secure. In the defense's closing statement, Rodney's defense attorney said, All the things Yoshi Hattori did to a reasonable person were absolutely calculated to scare you to death. And Yoshi was creating the danger without realizing it. He was creating the situation. You have a legal right to open the door to your house anytime you want to, to look outside anytime you want to. You have the legal right to answer the door with a gun to everyone who comes along. We are not required to cower in our homes while other people cause us heartache. I hate everything about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, my gosh. That is ridiculous. Yeah. The jury deliver deliberated. Yeah, sure. That's when you That's, order delivery. They deliberate while they get pizza delivered. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. So everyone's kind of happy. Yeah, right? except they got Domino's, so. <laughs> Listen, it's free pizza, okay? <laughs> so picky. The jury deliberated for about three hours, and they found Rodney Pierce. Not guilty. Not guilty. When the verdict was announced, people in the courtroom apparently cheered. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. No. He had a lot of local support. Yeah, I bet he did. Yoshi's father, Mazaechi, had been present for the entire trial, but he'd been on a walk when the verdict was announced. So when he came back, you know, he heard the verdict and he spoke to the media through an interpreter saying, the verdict is incredible, unbelievable. Yeah. The Hattori's had such a hard time, not just with losing their son, but with the injustice of it all. So two months after Rodney was acquitted, the Hattori's sued him and his homeowner's insurance company, Louisiana Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance, in civil court for wrongful death. Okay. So unlike in criminal court where the prosecution has to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt, Mm -hmm. here you're just looking at the preponderance of the evidence. Yeah. The civil case went before Judge Bill Brown. Mm. I love alliteration, don't you? Yeah, me too. There was no jury which I think was wise choice. Yep. This case covered a lot of the same arguments that came up at the criminal trial, so, you know, don't really need to rehash that. One key difference was the Hattori's attorney, Charles Moore, asserted that Yoshi's race had played a role in this case. Yeah. He pointed out that when Bonnie testified in the criminal trial, she talked about Yoshi's race. Mm-hmm. The Hattori's legal team also presented some evidence that hadn't been presented at the criminal trial, Evidence that perhaps Rodney wasn't the sweet little average Joe he'd been portrayed to be. Oh, yeah? I wish I had a little more info on this. Um, Turns out Rodney had once shot a dog when it came onto his property. Um, He'd made a death threat against his wife's ex-husband. I I read a portion of a book about this that said, and I don't know if this came up in the trial, Mm -hmm. but it was uncovered that, you know, people had come to the house Many times before, you know, this. Yeah. I guess I don't need to say it's a race thing. It's a race thing. Yeah. Yoshi's parents, Mazaechi and Mieko, both testified. Mazaechi testified that when his son died, it felt as though he had been murdered, too. Mieko testified that when Yoshi died, it felt like a part of her body was lost. And that her dream was taken away. Now, Brandy, you might be thinking that it would be pretty difficult to cross-examine grieving parents, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is there to ask them? They they weren't here for this crime. Yeah. Are they going to ask them about their son's aggressive nature? Nope. Nope, worse than that. Oh, okay, great. John Hankel, who was the attorney for the insurance company, figured it out. Here's what you ask him. 
He asked Yoshi's mom how many letters she'd written to Yoshi while he was in the United States. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. holy shit. Mm-hmm. You, this is, okay, this is my prediction, the direction mm-hmm. of you didn't even care about him. He's, you're in this for money? That's what I think he's going for. With yeah. She said that she'd written him twice and called once. He asked Yoshi's dad how much time he spent with his son in a given week. Masayachi was an engineer, and he worked 7 a.m. to midnight during the week and eight hours on Saturday. So he responded that he spent a few hours a week Mm -hmm. with his son. The lawyer asked if he'd written Yoshi any letters while he was in the United States, and he said no. What a giant sack of shit. No fucking kidding. Also, cultures are different. Absolutely. Absolutely, cultures are different. And how much you communicate with your son, how much you loved your mm-hmm. son, all, all those little factors we're talking about here, mm-hmm. that's not what this trial's about. No. But I guess it'd be really bad for your client if we made it what the trial was actually about. Yeah. Ultimately, the judge ruled in the Hattori's favor. In his ruling, he said that he was not making any kind of social comment about gun control, but he was definitely saying that Rodney was wrong to fire a gun in this situation. Duh. Yeah. He said, quote, there was no justification whatsoever that the killing was necessary to save himself or his family. No. The judge said that a reasonable person, after hearing what Bonnie said, would have asked questions. Why do I need a gun? What'd you see out there? But Rodney hadn't done any of that. The judge awarded the Hattori's $650,000 in damages. $100,000 would be paid by the insurance company, and the rest would be paid by Rodney and Bonnie. Rodney and Bonnie appealed the decision, and the appellate court was like, nope, we're fine with it. So then they took it to the Louisiana Supreme Court. Oh, wow. Sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't pick up the cue at first. <laughs> I raised my hand in the air dramatically. <laughs> my God. <laughs> and the Supreme Court was like, yeah, we're not interested in hearing this case. Goodbye. Bye. So the Hattori's had won something, but they didn't keep any of the money that they made from the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I personally doubt they got anything from Rodney and Bonnie. Yeah, same. But I'm, anyway, they did get the 100000 from the insurance mm-hmm. company. And they gave all of it to the fight for better gun control. I almost said better bun control. <laughs> Which is what you have to do in a specific aisle of the grocery store. You don't want stuff falling off the shelves. Oh, I thought you were talking about... Bun mind. control, like buttholes? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's butthole control, which is an entirely different thing. Yeah, but I would argue that if you're... No, this is ridiculous. We should stop the conversation. <laughs> you think it goes under the, assi- the same umbrella, don't you? I do, because if you're, if you're controlling your butthole, your buns are also engaged. Yeah, I'm talking about supermarket buns. Okay. So that's a whole different phone number you're going to have to call, okay. ma'am. And no, I can't transfer you because we're not in the same system. It's totally different. Okay, great. Thank you. You're going to have to Google it. All right? All right. Mm. 
I get really annoyed when people make that mistake because we get so many calls about buttholes <laughs> at the bun control agency. It's an agency? It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a foundation or a I was going to say, what, what, center. Makes, what makes something an agency? That does sound like we've got... <laughs> oh, you know what? I've decided it's an agency because I've got... Agents, yeah, going out and now, checking the buns. They're you, secret shoppers. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know who they yeah. are. But I they mean, do the s- trench coats kind of give them away. But <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and their cat-like reflexes. Yeah, throw something at them, boom, they catch it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, everyone thinks that we don't need the bun control agency until the bun control agency is gone, and then there's buns all over the supermarket floor. People step on them. It's a yeah. mess. Yep. That's right. And then you your barbecue sucks. Buns. Yep. Yep. You know, you tried to end this tangent. I sure did. Prematurely. <laughs> and I simply couldn't let it happen. <laughs> anyway, so they, um, oh, yes, they gave all the money to gun control. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A much more worthy cause, <laughs> <laughs> as it turns out. <laughs> You know, sometimes I think you have no respect for the work I do at the button control agency. I mean, you're not even a foundation. So. Wow. Wow. Way to uh, kick me when I'm down. kind of makes it sound like you're in it for the profit. Yeah. You're getting a cut a big bun. <laughs> well, haven't you ever wondered why I always have access to so many Hawaiian rolls? <laughs> Haven't you thought it was a little suspicious? I have. I've always had my suspicions about it. Anyway. Their activism, coupled with support from the haymakers, actually made a difference. In July of 1993, the Hattori's and haymakers were able to meet with Bill Clinton in the Oval Office. By that point, the Hattori's had collected... Gosh, I think the number was like 1.8 million signatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the haymakers had collected 150,000. Mm-hmm. That month, Congress passed the Brady Handgun Violence Protection Act, which mandated background checks for people who wanted to buy a gun. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a five-day waiting period on, I believe it was civilian purchases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bill Clinton signed that into law a few weeks after he met with the Hattori's and the haymakers. Worth noting, that bill had been around for a couple years, but it wasn't until after Yoshi's death that it came to a vote. Wow. Can I call it Yoshi's murder? I feel very strongly that it was a murder. I'm sure legally I can't call it a murder. But, I mean, when you get killed in cold blood like that. Yeah. Both the Hattori's and the Haymakers are very modest about their impact on the Brady Act. But, you know, a lot of scholars believe that their activism was kind of the thing that pushed Push that yeah. over the finish line. Yeah. I use a lot of sports analogies. You're excellent at it. Thank you. <laughs> really. Knocked it out of the park, didn't I? You did. Mm-hmm. It's a real hole in one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Shut up or I'm going to give you five for fighting. <laughs> oh. A few months later, in September of 1994, Congress passed the Federal Assault Weapons Ban, which was in effect for 10 years. Sure was. I mean, that did a lot. It sure did. It's hard to know how much good that did. Yeah. 
The Hattori's remain very active in the fight against fun. I almost said it, fun violence. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I'm making up new agencies right and left. <laughs> Dracula's buns. <laughs> he calls me up every day. He's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I want to suck your buns. <laughs> and I say, Dracula, <laughs> I don't have time for this. We are a small agency. Do you have any idea how many supermarkets are in this country alone? You're calling me, wanting to suck my butts. My best friend's being such an asshole to me. She's like, you don't even have a foundation. She doesn't even think about, like, I'm spending half my time on the phone with Dracula. Pretty sure it's her calling me. What's that saying? The devil doesn't have to something. He just has to distract you. That's that's, that's you. That's you calling me up at the bun agency. You're so good with the phrases. <laughs> um, so uh, they remain very active in the fight against gun violence. Yeah. For years. Beautifully said. said. So well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very discouraged to see the expansion of stand your ground laws. I, yeah, I can't imagine. Mm, yeah. And the growing number of school shootings. In 2012, after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, Mieko said, it was so heartbreaking to see so many young children killed. But I can't say I was shocked. Yep. Yeah. So here's a fun thing. So I pulled that from an article in 2012, mm-hmm. and it didn't specifically say the Sandy Hook shooting. It was just the shooting, mm-hmm. the school shooting. And I'm like, well, was that Parkland? I look it up, and yeah. it's like, oh, no, that actually happened. Wait, I mean, it just happens so often. Yep. In 2018, they spoke to survivors of the Parkland shooting. They established a foundation in Yoshi's name that allows U.S. students to study in Japan. I believe they used uh, part of the settlement, Mm -hmm. not not settlement, judgment. Judgment. For that. As of last year, 31 American students have come to Japan through the program. They said that obviously, you know, Japan isn't 100 percent safe. No place is. But it feels good to give students a chance to experience life without fear of gun violence. Yeah. In an interview in 2022, Yoshi's mom, Mieko, announced that she and her husband, who are now in their 70s, are planning to retire from their work on gun control activism. She said that she has a lot of hope for this new generation of Americans, that maybe they can do something about gun violence. Mm -hmm. She said she hopes they will lead the fight. And that is the story of the senseless and racist murder of Yoshi Hattori. Yeah. I know some people don't call it a murder. I'm calling it a murder. Well, that was terrible. Yeah. Thank you. What is wrong with these people? What's wrong with this country? Yeah. When's it enough? Mm-hmm. 
I'm not sure. I don't fucking understand it. The people aren't in control in yeah. America. Yeah. Because what you when you actually look at what the people want. Uh-huh. The majority of people want common sense gun laws. Yeah. Yeah. But. The majority of people want a lot of things. They want you know, access to health care. All kinds yeah, of stuff. All that kinds of amazing things. Yeah. Somehow our politicians can't mm-hmm. make happen. Yep. Yep. Hate it. Oh, good fucking times. You know what I think we should do right now? An ad. Doodaloo. <laughs> and we're back from the ad. Doodaloo. That's a remix. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, I know. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You ready to hear about a disappearance? Yes. Okay. I watched an episode of the program See No Evil. Oh. It's an ID show all about how, like, a crime is solved by technology. So there's, you know... Cameras that capture stuff and, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, computer stuff and, you know, all that, all that fancy stuff. Uh-huh. I like this show a lot. It's really low on the reenactments, uh-huh. heavy on the actual, like, surveillance footage. Okay. It's, it's my jam. All right. Also, uh, shout out to KTLA 5 News for their reporting on okay. this. I watched another show as well. <laughs> what and was I it? I hated it and <gasps> what was it? Uh, I ignored everything that I learned from it. What was it? I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Say it and we'll bleep it. No, I can't remember. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People recommend that show to us and I'm like, I'm not a fan. I did not care for it at all. Mm-hmm. I also think, think, <laughs> I think they... Mm, made some very inappropriate comments about this case. Ooh. Will you tell me what the inappropriate comments are at the yeah. end? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maribel Ramos was an impressive, driven, strong woman. At the age of 23, she enlisted in the army and then like five minutes later, September 11th happened. Oh, shit. And Maribel was deployed for multiple tours of duty, both in Iraq and Afghanistan. By 2008, though, Maribel was ready to take her life in a different direction. She had always dreamed of having a family. She was super close to her own family. And so after eight years of military service, Maribel was honorably discharged from the Army. I believe she reached the rank of sergeant like she okay she did very well in the military maribel growing up had wanted to pursue a career in law enforcement so after retiring from the military she moved into an apartment with her mom in orange california and enrolled at cal state fullerton to pursue a degree in criminal justice Mm. but she went to all the semesters well that's one way to do it that is one way to do it (laughs) Maribel settled into her post-military life very well and became very focused on achieving her goals, including earning her degree from Cal State. Okay, from here, the timeline is a little bit fuzzy to me, but it seems that somewhere in 2011, Maribel's mother became ill and ultimately passed away from that illness. 
Maribel was obviously devastated yeah. by the loss of her mother. And it also left her in a bit of a difficult position. Mm-hmm. She had previously had her mother as her roommate. And now if she wanted to stay where she was living, she needed to get a new roommate. Yeah. She reached out to her sister, Lucy, with whom she was very close. She was also very close to Lucy's daughter, her niece. And so she asked if they would come move in with her. But Lucy declined. She said that she finally felt settled where she was living and she didn't want to uproot her daughter from the school that she was attending. Oh, yeah. And Maribel was like, totally get it. Yeah. You know, I totally understand. I just thought, you know, it'd be really fun for us to live together and Mm -hmm. whatever. And Lucy told Maribel that if she was unable to find another roommate, she would move in with her. Mm -hmm. So Maribel went to work to try and find another roommate and she posted an ad on Craigslist, which... Fitting for the time. Yeah. It wasn't long before she got a response that sounded like the perfect fit. That response came from a man named Kuang Choi Joe, who went by Casey. Mm-hmm. His response read, in part, I am a Korean single professional male. I am looking for a small apartment or private room with kitchen use, and your place sounds perfect. I have a 10-pound dog, a Yorkie. I'm a social drinker, a non-smoker. I'm straight, and I like to keep things clean. I'm easygoing and get along with most people. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. The dog is a bonus. The dog is absolutely a bonus. Yeah, I get a little Yorkie roommate, too. Fuck yeah. Move right in, Casey. Mm Mm-hmm. So Casey told Maribel that he was from Knoxville, Tennessee, but that he was interviewing for a position with a company in Orange County, so he was looking to relocate. He asked if he could come see the apartment while he was in town for that interview, and Maribel was like, absolutely. Right. So Casey checked out the apartment, met with Maribel, and Lucy was there at the same time, you know, just mm-hmm. for safety or whatever. And yeah. It seemed like this could be, like, a great fit. He was quiet and polite. And a bit of a loner, it seemed, mm-hmm. which Maribel saw as that's, a selling yeah, point. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what you want in a exactly. roommate. Exactly. He wasn't going to be bringing a bunch of people over to the apartment. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he told her. Like, I don't I don't know anybody out here. Right. I don't, I don't have any family to speak of. Mm-hmm. So just kind of me. Yeah. I'll be adjusting to a new place. Near the end of 2011, I believe in November... Casey Joy moved to Orange, California, and became Maribel Ramos's roommate. Is Orange in Orange County? It is. That's too much. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually looked into this because I was like, "Are they just dropping the county? Is this yeah. like a thing that they're saying?" No, it's like a it's like a town in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's near Santa Ana, which is the county seat. Got anything else you want to say? That's all I remember from the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Casey and Maribel quickly became friendly. Since Casey didn't really know anyone, Maribel invited him to come to family get-togethers with her. Sometimes they'd go out to dinner together. They were friends. They went on, like, an Alaskan cruise together. They'd go out dancing sometimes. Oh, wow. If one of them was running to the grocery store, they'd pick stuff up for the other. Like, they were very friendly. Yeah. Then, on May 2nd, 2013, after they'd lived together for about a year and a half, Maribel disappeared. So, the following morning, May 3rd, around 10.45 a.m., Casey called 911 and told them that his roommate, Maribel, 
had never come home the night before. And that was super unusual, he said. Yeah. Also, the light was on in her bedroom, which he said was super unusual. Mm Mm-hmm. He said he'd last seen her about 9 p.m. the night before. Casey told the dispatcher that her car was there and that he wanted to file a missing person report. It's unclear to me what the police told him at this time, but it doesn't seem like any official missing person report was made at this time. Okay. Maybe they told him to wait. Maybe they said he needed to come down to the police station to do it. I'm not. I'm not. Totally clear. Mm -hmm. But after getting off the phone with 911, Casey then texts Lucy, Maribel's sister. Mm -hmm. Casey then texts Lucy, Maribel's sister. Why did you do that twice? I think I said Maribel wrong or think I said it weird. I don't know. I think you wish you did because (laughs) I did such fun things with bun control today. (laughs) (laughs) So he texts Lucy and says that Maribel's missing. Lucy knew that Maribel was super busy at Mm -hmm. this point in her life. She was days away from graduating with her degree in criminal justice. Oh, yeah. So she wasn't immediately worried. Also, like, you might be thinking, well, did she just hook up with somebody? Yeah, exactly. She's a grown woman. Yes. Yeah. But then... Maribel, Jesus. But then, I know you said it wrong there. I did, for sure. <laughs> Jesus. Then Maribel missed a speaking event for veterans that she was supposed to attend that day. And then she didn't make it to her softball game that mm. night. This was absolutely not like Maribel. Right. And so then Lucy knew something was wrong. So Lucy and some other family members came to Maribel's apartment that night. They saw that her car was there, just as Casey had said, and then the light was on in her room. And so they called the police and told them that, you know, her roommate had called the police earlier in the day, but that Maribel was still was still missing and that they needed to make an official missing person report. Yeah. So Orange Police sent officers out to the apartment and they came in and they went back to Maribel's room and they they forced it open. I believe the door was locked. I'm not positive, but like nobody had mm-hmm. entered the room to this point. And so they go in the room and the there was nothing particularly out of place in there other than the fact that the bed wasn't made, which was not her style. Not her style. She's, okay. you know, military, like very... Yeah. yeah. She makes the bed first thing. She mm-hmm. makes it very particularly. And the pillowcase wasn't on her pillow. Hmm. Also seemed very weird to Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Maribel's phone and wallet were not there. They didn't... They did search of her room and didn't really find anything of note except when they looked in her closet, they found a pajama top that had some blood on the sleeve. Okay. So they sent that off for testing. Spoiler, though, it comes back and it's just Maribel's blood. All right. And it's not like a large amount of it. It's just like a little bloody spot on the sleeve. Okay. But there's no sign of Maribel. They did call in a homicide unit just to, you know, make sure that the scene is is photographed properly yeah. and whatever evidence might be there is secured and whatever. And around that time, KC arrived at the apartment as well. 
you liking these big noises right outside? <laughs> <laughs> at first, I was like, wait, why is she rolling her eyes at me? No. <laughs> you, you just, you know, you're too much. That's what I say. <laughs> Now, this construction, I could deal with it all, all day. All day. All day, every day. It doesn't even bother you. <laughs> <laughs> so Casey shows up at the apartment as well while the police are there. And so he gives them a statement. He said that he had seen Maribel the night before at like 9 o'clock. But he said he'd gone out for a drive. And then when he returned, Maribel wasn't there and she hadn't come back that night. So this apartment complex did have a couple of surveillance cameras. One was on like the front entrance of the property and one was on kind of like the office part of the property. Mm -hmm. And so they checked those and they didn't see, I I believe this was like a gated complex. They didn't see Maribel exiting the property. They didn't even see KC exiting the property. I believe maybe there was like another way out that was not on camera, though. Okay. What they did find when they looked at the surveillance photos was that on that that night, May 2nd, around just a couple minutes before like 8.20 p.m., maybe like, you know, whatever, 8.15, somewhere in there, Mm -hmm. um, Maribel had walked up to the office. So she had... Standard procedure was for people to drop their rent checks through the little – there was like a little slot in the door to the manager's office. So she had walked up to it. She'd slipped a check through the slot. She had on pajamas. Interestingly, she had on the matching pants to that shirt that they had found. But not the shirt. But not the shirt. Okay. Actually, they kind of made a deal about this on the program. But like I do that all the time where I I just wear the pants and not the shirt that matches. Yeah, I don't think that's – I don't think it's anything. She had on, like, the pajama pants and then, like, a tank top with it. Okay. You know what this sounds like? What? This sounds like only dudes were in the room. (laughs) 100%. Because, like, don't you think? Yes. Because, like, I feel like any woman would be like, no, that's a thing. And the pants that she had on were a match to the shirt that they'd found in her closet. Which, as we all know, must be only worn as a (laughs) set at all times. Yeah, exactly. So... On it, uh, Maribel seems like totally normal. She doesn't seem concerned or anything. She just walks up, puts the rent check in, and walks away. Well, we know things weren't good because she didn't have that matching top. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Clear sign of duress. (laughs) So at this point, they really have no idea what has happened here. Has something happened to Maribel? Has she just, like... Decided to take off for a couple days. She catch a ride with someone. No, like, you don't pay your rent and then take off. Well, maybe she like went on a little trip. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like a fun trip. I, I right. You. <laughs> I thought you like leaving. You know. No, 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 no. Lucy was concerned though. This was not like her sister. Yeah. And so she got on social media. She posted a picture of her sister and asked anyone who had seen her knew anything to please come forward. So at this point, the police are, like, looking into those closest to Maribel to see if anybody has spoken to her, anybody knows anything. And she has this kind of, like, boyfriend thing. Okay. (laughs) What? All right. So they get her phone records. They find out that the last person she talked to was this man named Paul Lopez. They had been casually dating for the last several months. Do you not approve of that? I don't approve of the way he described it. So he agrees to come in and sit for an interview, and this is recorded, and the footage of it is on this episode of See No Evil. Okay. So he sits down, and he's just like, you know, they're like, 
so how long have you been seeing Maribel? And he's like, I don't know, a few months, I guess. He's like, but it's super casual. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. so were you were you seeing other people? And he goes, me? And they're like, yeah, were you seeing other no, people? No, the dude behind right. you, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so he's like a huge stud. My uh-huh. mistake, excuse me. And they're like, me. well, did was Maribel seeing other people as well? And he goes, well, I mean, come on. Don't ask, don't tell, man. Okay. Yeah. Fucking hated it. Ew. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, this guy's fine. He didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> He's not fine. He's not fine. <laughs> He's a hated douche. Hated all of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so he... Can you imagine having such a cavalier I attitude? I not. Because, like, they didn't just, like, approach him at an Applebee's and no, ask what he's been up to lately. No. Like, he's in a police station. He's yeah. talking about a woman he's been seeing. Who is now missing. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he's like, I did talk to her on the 2nd. That's the day she disappeared. But he had been at work uh, from 4 p.m. to midnight. And so, like, they were able to confirm that. He worked for the gas company. He was on shift. Lots of people saw him. Okay. Yeah. 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 He did say that he had had a conversation with Maribel on the phone that day, and she had been upset. She'd actually put him on speakerphone Mm. so that she could have a conversation with KC that night and that Paul could overhear it. Oh. So apparently Maribel and KC had gotten into an argument the night of May 2nd because KC had told Maribel that he couldn't pay his portion of the rent that month. Um, this was something that had been happening with increasing frequency oh. over the recent months. Casey had like lost a job and then got mm-hmm. another one and lost it and just was not consistently employed. And so he was having yeah. trouble making his rent. And like the previous month, Maribel had kind of told him like, you can't pay your rent. You got to move out. Right. Like that's the that's- deal. And so then on the day that like their rent was due, Casey had said, I can't, I can't pay my portion of it. And so Maribel got... Paul on the phone, on speakerphone, so that she could have a conversation with KC and tell him, like, you're out tomorrow. If you're not paying your rent, you're out. Did she have Paul on speakerphone because she was afraid or like what was? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And we'll get to a little bit more of that here in a minute. But yeah, it seemed that she wanted him. And maybe she thought, I mean, what the fuck is even that noise? That noise is that's the sound of a monster groaning. (laughs) And I kind of hope that the mics picked it up because it was kind of cool. Yeah. So I think there was also something about like Maribel thought maybe the conversation would go smoother if Casey knew there was another person listening Mm in. She hadn't made it a secret that she'd had Paul on the phone. Right. Yeah. So Paul actually told the police that he told Casey that like. If he wanted to make a big deal about it, he'd come over there and move his stuff on out of there for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy's real cool. I, could, I can tell for sure. Mm-hmm. And Paul told the police as well that when that phone call had happened, he had asked Maribel, do you want me to come over there tonight? Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you nervous? Are you, you know, do you want me to come? And she said, no, I'm just going to go to bed. I'll lock my door. Yeah. 
So they do look into Paul and story checks out. He's fine. He's just kind of douchey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But now they're like, okay, we need to obviously look into the roommate, KC. He's been told, like, you have to move out the next day. And then, oh, Maribel disappears. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. that's pretty sus. Yeah. So they started looking into KC and his his past, and it was, you know, they found the same stuff that he'd told he'd told Mayor. He was born in Korea. He'd moved to the United States as, like, a young teenager, gone to school in Tennessee. He had some kind of chemistry degree, worked several jobs as some kind of chemist. Um, but he had recently lost a job, which is why he could not pay his rent. Why'd he lose the job? That I don't know. Okay. It seems like that'd be a pretty in-demand skill set. Yeah, I would think so. So you'd have to, like, really fuck up. Yeah, I would imagine. I don't know any specifics about what the job was or how he lost it other than he was some kind of chemist. And this is the case you're covering today? It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, there's not that much background available Mm. on Casey Joy. Mm, Okay. I read a whole article that specifically a whole said, article. "I okay, no, I read this whole article like from some stupid website that was like, there's not much known about Casey Joy, but here are the things we do know." And it was just everything that was said on the show. Yeah, I hate that shit. <laughs> yes. Okay. So while they're looking into this relationship that Casey and Maribel had, they found out that yeah, because of who Maribel was as a person, she had welcomed this guy into her home. She'd become very friendly with him. And maybe he had thought that friendship was more than Maribel had. seems that maybe Casey had feelings for Maribel. He'd taken her on a cruise, an Alaskan cruise. um, And maybe even at some point had admitted to Maribel that he had feelings for her. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I have a boyfriend. Uh, I, I, like, I like you as a friend. I like, you know, whatever. But like, that's not the situation here. Yeah. The police also learned while they were looking into this relationship between Maribel and Casey that Maribel had called 911 a week before she disappeared. So they played bits of this 911 call on this show. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Maribel is distraught. She's crying. She tells the dispatcher that she had gotten into a fight with her roommate, that she told him that he needed to leave by the end of the month if he couldn't. Apparently, this was started as yeah. another rent conversation. She told yeah. him, like, she's he's out at the end of the month if he can't make his rent for the next month. And that some kind of fight had ensued and she had had to tell Casey that she had a gun. Wow. She called the dispatcher specifically to say... First of all, she didn't actually have a gun. Uh-huh. She did she have just like wanted to she just him. wanted to scare him. Okay, she did have a machete. Oh, and she was calling nine one one to tell them like, if I am forced to do something tonight to protect myself, oh, wow. I want this on record that this fight has happened. Wow. Yes. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. She told the dispatcher that she was an army veteran and that. She knew how to defend herself if need be. Hmm. I think they sent out someone to the scene that night and they kind of like a police officer came and asked both of them some questions. And then Annabelle said she had felt comfortable staying there. She would just, again, lock her door. Yeah. 
So they're like, okay, probably time to talk to Casey. So they bring him into the police station. He was very cooperative, even chatty. At this point, like these searches for Maribel have been going on. People are joining in. They're looking for her. There's posters everywhere. Casey has done interviews on the news talking about how this is a really hard time for him and he just misses Mm -hmm. his friend. He talks about how she's – he loves her. She's – his only friend, she's his only family, and he just wants her to come home safe. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he sits down with the police, and they're like, you know, tell us about your relationship with Maribel. And he said, oh, we have a great time together. We party together. We go to clubs together. We've gone on a cruise together. We call 911 on each other. Right. No mention of that initially. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but he said in in recent weeks that their relationship seemed to have been falling apart a bit. And so the police asked him, like, they're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, it seems it might have been. Uh, can you tell us about what happened when the police were called out to your mm-hmm. apartment a week before Maribel went missing? And Casey had a different version of events that had taken place that night. He said Maribel had been drinking in that when she drinks, she's one of two people. She's either very aggressive and angry or she's like really sweet and fun and loving. And Mm -hmm. that particular night, she'd been aggressive, angry Maribel and she would threatened him. But everything was kind of smoothed over and... Uh, Yeah, he said that she had gone on this rant about how she wasn't attracted to him and he was like totally fine with that and like no big deal. I'm just (laughs) – we're just friends. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to know what the real version of that is. I mean Maribel's version I'm sure is when she called the police is what happened. I I would take it so well and have so much fun with someone being like casually like I'm not attracted. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So then Casey was, you know, asked about what happened that last day that he had seen Maribel. Um had they argued, had anything happened and he admitted yes, they had had an argument that day about the rent. Um and so he had left the house that night for a drive to cool off somewhere around 9 p.m. and that when he came back, she wasn't there. No. As as Casey is sitting in this interrogation, he is wearing a very fitted black tee. Okay. V-neck? Some, uh, ooh, no. Scoop neck. Okay. More of a crew neck even, not yeah, a scoop. Yeah. Crew neck, sorry. Uh-huh. No, it was not a low-cut tee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I believe a pair of jeans mm-hmm. and some flippies. Okay. But what the interrogator noticed as he was sitting there was that Casey had scrapes all over his arms. Oh, shit. All over his arms. I saw pictures of these because they photographed them. Yeah. They are pretty small scrapes, but they are welted red fresh scrapes yeah. on his arm. Yeah. And so the police are like, tell us about those injuries you have there. What's what's going on there? And Casey, without like skipping a beat, he says, oh, I got these at Eisenhower Park. 
how that happened. Uh-huh, and that's exactly what the police say. And he's like, there's this spot at Eisenhower Park where the ducks swim and there are these bushes. And when the ducks get near these bushes, there is like tangled up fishing line and the ducks will get caught in them. So I was down at Eisenhower Park. I was getting these fishing line out of these bushes so the ducks wouldn't get tangled in them and the bushes have thorns and very pointy leaves and so my arms got scraped up digging this fishing line out of these bushes just being the best possible guy brandy Mm -hmm. and so the police are like this guy is so full of shit and so Mm -hmm. they're like great take us to eisenhower park show us show us where this is yeah And so Casey agrees and he takes them to Eisenhower Park and he goes to this part where there's this pond and sure enough, there's fucking ducks floating on the pond. And then they go over to this area where Casey shows the bushes are. And wouldn't you fucking know it? There is a duck caught in a fishing line. Oh, as they get down there. And so they are then trying to free this duck. And sure as shit, these bushes are full of fucking thorns. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So they're like, holy shit, is this guy actually just like telling the truth? Yeah, because I mean, in theory, wouldn't you wear long sleeves if you were trying if to cover If you were trying to cover up? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't stop them from thinking that not. these were defensive wounds caused by Maribel, but they're like, okay, well, that story that seemed like a big fat lie, actually. They thought they were like the cops going with Jody Arias to right. Disney World. Or no, no, that's Casey, Casey Anthony. Anthony. Excuse me. <laughs> the cops were talking about ninjas with well, that's right. Jody Arias. <laughs> Very real ninjas. So they start doing searches on Maribel and Casey's apartment. He allows them to. He allows. Uh, crime scene investigators to come Mm -hmm. in. This is not just like a surface level consented search. He's like, search the place top to fucking bottom. Take my DNA. They bring in cadaver dogs. They do a full scale search. I believe seven separate searches on this apartment. Oh, my Lord. And they come up with nothing other than that one pajama top that was found with a little spot of blood on it. Yeah, that's it's nothing. But the police are pretty sure that Casey had yeah. something to do with Maribel's disappearance. With Maribel's disappearance. What about her disappearance? <laughs> I just got like stuck. Like the word just would not come out. The end of the word. Disapp- it disappeared. Mm. That's right. That's very good. That was very Thank clever. You. You're so witty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So they put him under 24-hour surveillance. They actually asked him to turn over his cell phone and his laptop. And he was like, yeah, sure thing. He gave those to them. Wow. Yeah. And he made a statement to the police. Like, or I'm sorry. He made a statement to the media that he was fully cooperating with the police. And he also said to the police, I'm I'm fully fully cooperating. So while they've got Casey under surveillance, mm-hmm. they notice that he's making some trips to the library. 
What's wrong with reading, Brandy? Um, so they have surveillance it's photos fundamental. at the library. And on one trip, he walked into the library, walked like to the back to like a bank of computers and sat specifically at one where his back would be to a wall where no one could be behind him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he spent about two hours on that computer. God, how many dudes have jerked off in that corner? Oh, so many. Yeah, that sounds so like a recipe for disaster. Uh, and so they're like, okay, great. This is our. This is an opportunity. So he leaves the library and they zoom in there, check his search history. He'd wiped it clean. Well, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, this guy's smart. We're going to have to well, be... We're going to have to be one step ahead of this guy. And so then they set something up with the library to where they have one computer set up with monitoring equipment. And that if Casey comes in, he's supposed to be led specifically to that computer. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. If I were a librarian, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I've got enough on my plate. You want to do this investigation? You pose as a librarian for a day, and you flag him down, and yeah, yeah, and make it not weird that right, he has exactly. a computer assigned. Like, the other thing is, so he gave them his laptop, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, of course he's on the computer at the library. Yeah. Are you about to say this guy's innocent? I'm. I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. All right. I'm going to tell you I have some problems with this case, but. All right. Okay. So they set up this sting operation with the library. And just (laughs) as they had hoped, Casey comes in one day. It's May 16th. So Maribel's been missing for two weeks Mm -hmm. at this point. And he comes in, tries to get a computer. And the library's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. You'll have to use this specific computer. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And so he spends some time looking at it. Meanwhile, the police are surveilling everything he's looking at. And at first, he just, you know, he filled out like a job application. (laughs) (laughs) He did what? He filled out a job application. (laughs) (laughs) Spent some time on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then he did a weird fucking Google search. What? How long does it take a human body to decay? Well, okay. Mm -hmm. So he searches for that. And then when he'd been on Facebook, he'd seen an announcement that Maribel's family was doing this awareness walk. It was at Peters Canyon, which was a place that Maribel loved. It was her favorite hike. She hiked it all the time. And it was like, you know, getting people out there hoping, you know, to get awareness for Maribel missing. I don't understand. That's what a, an awareness walk is. <laughs> and so he sees that his that, that Maribel's family has organized this. Uh-huh. And so then he got on Google Maps and he searched for Peter's Canyon. And he looked at where that walk was going to be. And then he took Google Maps and he zoomed it in about eight miles away. He kept zooming in and zooming in. And zooming in, it was clear that he was focusing on a large tree in the area. Oh, my God. And then he deleted his history and Uh left the library. So the police are like, what the fuck was he looking at? 
Yeah. So they send a search team out to find that location that he'd zoomed in. And all they have is like, I mean, they have some coordinates and they have an idea of what the tree looked like. And so it takes them a little while to find it. Um, But they get out to Peter's Canyon and they find the tree. And at the base of that tree, they found a shallow grave. Yeah. And... There they found Maribel's body. Yeah. She was so badly decomposed and had been exposed to the elements out there Mm -hmm. for an extended amount of time that a cause of death was unable to be determined. She had to be identified by her dental records. Wow. But it was, I mean. Yeah. Obviously, Casey knew something. Yeah. Because he knew where her body was. He had led them directly to it through that Google Maps search. So they brought Casey back into the police station for another interrogation. And they started questioning him. And it became very clear to Casey that they were hinting that they'd found Maribel's body. Mm -hmm. And he said, are you implying that Maribel isn't coming home? And the police told him that he already knew the answer to that. Yeah. At that point, they started trying to like get Casey to tell them what he knew, how involved he was. And at that point, he stood up and he told the police detective that he wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. And the police detective stood up, too, and kind of like pushed him in the chest and was like, come on, come on, sit down, sit down. Let's let's talk. And so Casey initially sat back down. I don't like that. Nope. Don't like it at all. Am I being detained? Am I being well, and that's detained? essentially what he says. He says, are you saying I can't leave? Mm-hmm. And the detective goes, no, if you want to leave, you can leave. And he goes, OK, I'm going to leave. Yeah, and don't push me no. down. And so he gets up and he walks out the door. And outside of the door were two police officers waiting to take him into custody. Oh, the switcheroo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that moment in To Catch a Predator where the guy leaves the house because he doesn't want to talk to Chris that's Hansen right. anymore. Yeah. And boom, yeah. they catch him by the bushes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Catch All him. right. What? They do catch him I by the bushes. I thought you said catch him by the bush. Oh. Well, you know, if they grab hold of some cubes. <laughs> You're not I'm mad not about mad. it. I'm not mad. <laughs> Hope it stings. Hope you've learned something. So Casey Joy was arrested and charged with the murder of Maribel Ramos. Yeah. In July of 2014, Casey Joy's trial began. This is very interesting to me because... Wait, is this all they have on him? It's all they have on him. Oh. They cannot even prove that a murder took place. They do not have a cause of death. Oh, shit. And they have no evidence linking Casey to Maribel's death. Right. All they have is that he knew the location of her body. Which I agree is not great. No. I don't know that it's enough to secure a murder conviction. Well, and I mean, yes, he knew exactly where he knew her where body, her body was, was located. But even then, you can't. He probably looked at a lot of places, right? On Google Maps. Yeah. I mean, any good defense attorney can mm. tear that apart, right? Um. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had specifically zoomed in very yeah, close okay. on that tree. He led he led the police there by that yeah. Google search. Yeah, I think it's 
he obviously knew Maribel's body was there. This was not an accident. But there's shockingly little evidence in this yeah. case. The prosecution in court laid out their theory that Maribel saw Casey as a friend and Casey wanted more and that they had been having arguments leading up to her disappearance because Casey felt rejected mm-hmm. by her. And then on Thursday, May 2nd, Casey and Maribel had gotten in that fight and she told him, that's it. You're out. Yeah. Tomorrow you got to leave. And so they said that that night Maribel had gone to bed and while she was asleep, Casey had gone into her room and smothered her with a pillow while she slept. Oh. They said that because of Maribel's training in the military, uh-huh. had she been awake, she would have been able probably to defend herself against mm-hmm. Casey and fought back against him. And so that is their belief that they that she was smothered while she was sleeping. Yeah. And that she had fought some. They still actually believe that's the source of those sure. scratches on his arms. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's not any evidence to prove any of that, though. Just, right. Which I'm very uncomfy about. I don't think it's a bad theory. I don't think it's a bad theory either. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's likely what happened. Right. But there's but no damn, evidence. There's, there's, no there's, evidence. there's no evidence that that's what happened. None at all. Wow. Zero evidence. They told the jury that Casey then put Maribel's body into his car and drove her out to the canyon and left her in that shallow grave below that tree. They believe that Casey got nervous when he found out about the awareness walk, that her family would be in that area and might come across her body. Had he not really buried her? So it was a very shallow grave. Um, It was, yeah, mostly just like rocks and stuff were put over her body. So that's part of the issue with why they were not able to determine her cause of death. She had been accessible to animals and such. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God her family didn't discover her. Well, absolutely. Holy shit. Um. That's like the entire case. This is what we believe happened. And there, so there was no evidence in his car? None. He gave them full access to his car, his home, his own DNA. They did seven searches and found no physical evidence linking him to Maribel's disappearance or death. Wow. Yep. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The prosecutor told the jury he almost got away with murder, ladies and gentlemen. He almost got away with it, but he didn't. The defense, for their part, just tried to poke, I mean, just tried to show that the prosecution had not proven that even a murder took place. Mm -hmm. They told the jury, the evidence you will see in this case does prove a crime. 
improper disposal of a body. Mm-hmm. That's all the evidence proves. And not even that their client was the one who did it necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. So Casey's defense attorney said, does the Internet search prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he's involved in her disappearance or burying her remains? I don't think it does. It is so suspicious. It's so, I, mean, it's, I completely agree. Yeah. I do think that it, it says something that he knew exactly where her body was and was looking at it on a Google map. That is something. Absolutely. And probably it means that he murdered her and put her body there. Right. Probably it does. Right. But I don't love that we're getting a conviction on it. Yeah. So the jury deliberated not for very long they found him. Did the defense bring up any other alternative suspects? Um, So they, no alternative suspects. They did present possible alternative situations. Perhaps Maribel died of natural causes in case he didn't want her family to find her body. And so he put her in a place that she loved. Mm. Maybe he didn't want to lose his apartment. So he found her dead and then That's stupid. Yes. Okay. Maybe she died by suicide. That's all the alternative possibilities that the defense presented that I found anyway. So the jury got the case and they deliberated for not very long. They found him not guilty of first degree murder, but they found Casey Joy guilty of second degree murder. Mm -hmm. At sentencing, some of Maribel's family members gave victim impact statements. One of them said, Mr. Joy needs to be put away for life. He is an evil man and a coward that should never be forgiven. Casey Joy made a statement on his own behalf as well Mm -hmm. before he was sentenced. He said, I miss Maribel more than anyone. Oh, okay. No. Mm -hmm. I've been here about 440 days in jail, and I think about it almost every day. About what? Missing Maribel, Maribel's disappearance, Maribel's death. I don't know. Okay. That's a bold statement to make in front of her family. Yeah. Maribel's sister was basically like, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. How dare he say that? Casey then said, the family wants me to apologize, which I cannot apologize for something I haven't done. Maybe someday the truth will come out or maybe I'll just die in prison. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Casey then was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. Mm-hmm. He throughout like the time leading up to the trial and throughout the trial, he had sent dozens of letters to the judge, apparently declaring his innocence. He also wrote a letter to Eyewitness News, which is like a local news mm-hmm. station, I guess. And he said um, the same thing in that letter. But he also said that he was working on a book. Okay. Um, Which was going to be titled Suspect, Guilty Until Proven Innocent. Mm -hmm. Casey Joy maintains his innocence to this day. He, okay, I have a real problem. Say it. No, I'm, okay, so he wrote a letter to the judge asking for a retrial Rather than filing an appeal, which is there someone telling him the proper channels? Like, I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, he doesn't know. That's exactly my concern. There's um, somewhat of a language barrier. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the lack of evidence there is in this conviction. I do think he probably did it, honestly. Yeah. It's very damning that he knew where her body was. No, I'm I'm totally with you. And that, yeah. that call she made to 911. Yes, all of those things are very important. And, and yes, I just don't like a conviction on this little evidence. Yeah. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Casey Joy actually became eligible for parole in February of this year, but I don't – I didn't find anywhere that he's actually been per, before a parole board or anything to this point. Hmm. Did he have a public defender? Do you know? He did have a public yeah. defender. See, a case like this, I wonder, different race, mm-hmm. different class, mm-hmm. what happens? Yep. I feel like you yep. don't get a conviction. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I hated about the show that I watched and then was like, yeah, I'm not using any of that Mm -hmm. is that there's this part where one of the detectives is talking about how when they're interrogating Casey after Maribel has disappeared, but before they really have narrowed in that he's probably involved, Uh they talk about his broken English and how they think he's putting on an act. Mm. Which I hate because, like, they're like, we spoke to several people who said his English was much better than that. Okay, but he's under a very stressful situation. I think it would be very normal for him. Like, English is his second language. Right. And you would want to be extra careful with your words. Yeah. And I would assume that in that situation, which you're not familiar with, people are using terms maybe you're not super familiar with. Yeah. So, yeah, you would... Yeah, I think you're at a real disadvantage if yeah. you're being questioned or interrogated mm-hmm. in your second language. Yes. I'm just very uncomfortable with this whole case. I mean, honestly, yeah. my, my opinion is that, yes, he probably did it. Yeah. I don't think there's enough evidence for a conviction. Are you going to say your opinion one more time? No, I'm just worried <laughs> that people are thinking that I'm defending a murderer. It's not. People are going to think what they're yeah, going to think. Right. You've, you're right. You've said your opinion yeah. 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, are you okay with people being upset with you? I mean, I don't nope. love it. No, she's not. <laughs> anyway, that's the story of the disappearance of Maribel Ramos. Yeah. I wish you hadn't defended a murderer You so stop much. it. <laughs> Where do I complain about this? Okay. <laughs> um, you can complain about Kristen. Oh, What? <laughs> Well, that sort of thing doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, in a future time, years from now, there will be an ad in this very spot. There's actually an ad in this very spot right now. No, we've already done all the ads. No, we haven't done the Lumi ad. (laughs) In a future time, like right now, there will be an ad right here. And it will be for Lumi. (laughs) Or will it? We are back. From the ad doodaloo. <laughs> and now we're going to read questions from our Discord. But how do you get into a Discord, Brandy? Oh, Brandy has dropped the ball. Oh, all you dropped have to do. it entirely. All you have to do to join. Sorry, I picked up my phone. There's nine text messages. I was making sure no one, you know, there was no yes, emergency or sure. anything. To get in our Discord, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. You can, you know, chitty chat the day away in there with other fans of this fine program. (laughs) And then when we record, we ask for questions and we answer a few. 
Ooh. DP is my spirit animal, wants to know, what is a life hack or invention that you do or use that would make you rich if you sold it? Do you, do you have, have one? No. Okay. If I had one, I'd be rich. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like you do a lot of life hacking. I do. Shit. I do so many life hacky things, but I learn them from other people, so it's not my proprietary information. Uh, put your label on it. <laughs> Brandiola. Mm. What? That reminded me of Brandy Snot. Hmm. You want to tell? You want to tell the people? No, I don't. Right. I want Patty to cut this. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, Brandy is bringing up a disgusting joke from our childhood about her nasty you, snot. You made the joke. It was about rubber cement. You're the one that said it was snot. Yeah. Obviously, I'm the one who made a hilarious joke <laughs> in the fifth grade. <laughs> This is the rudest question ever. <laughs> My uncle was a barrister. Barrister. <laughs> uh-huh. Brandy, would you be okay if David dressed up as a penguin for Halloween? <laughs> Not now. After Kristen has ruined penguins for me. I mean, you say you don't like it, but okay, that's well, enough. We all feel like you could get away if you really wanted to. Ooh, okay, the Ginger Snap asks, what concert or band would you drop everything for to go to last minute? Okay, so Blink-182 was one my favorite band mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And they recently announced a reunion tour, and I looked at tickets, and they're ridiculously expensive. So I was like, I've seen them like four or five times already. I don't need to go. Right. And then this past weekend, they performed at Coachella. And so the videos of that performance have been all over fucking TikTok. And now I want to go so fucking bad. I mean, how much are tickets? I just remember looking. I don't remember. But I remember looking at them and being like, I don't know. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll buy tickets now. Spice Girls reunion tour. Oh, fuck yes. I would be there in a yeah. second. Yeah, even if the tickets were $80. Shut up. Which is how much she wouldn't see pay to see Ben Folds, which was the most amazing concert I've ever seen. All right. We all know <laughs> that I get a little iffy about spending money. There's something about clicking yes. <laughs> oh, Two Whole Podcasts wants to know, um, Kristen, I just finished listening to the Amityville Horror episode. Have you changed your stance on the hip V? I'm here to tell you it's definitely a thing people are into. You know what? You be into it. <laughs> and I'll judge you for it. <laughs> okay. No, you know what? Norm and I were watching something the other day and some dude showed his hip V to the world. And I was like, mm-mm-mm, mister. You don't find it attractive at all? Um... I don't know. It There's just something about it I don't appreciate. See, here's the thing for me is that, like, in general, <laughs> I don't find, like, super fit, muscly guys that attractive. Okay. I just like that hip V thing. Mm-hmm. That's, like, <laughs> that's the thing that I find very hot. So what you're wanting... <laughs> Is some kind of cosmetic surgery. Like, have you ever seen? <laughs> this is so funny to me. I, my, you know what I'm about to the say? The thing that I like the most is like a fucking dad bod. Like, hot. Yeah, like you fuck a lot of dads. No. Oh. 
I misunderstood. <laughs> no, what I'm talking about is that, okay, you know, um, I feel like they don't do this anymore because it looks so stupid. Because, you know, like to get a six pack. You talk about the spray on abs? No, not spray oh, on okay. abs. People were getting like some kind of insert yeah. put in underneath yeah. the skin and it looked ridiculous because like to have those abs, you have to have like no percent body fat. Yes. Like it doesn't work if you just like yeah. put some lumps no under ab your skin. implants. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm picturing someone with a dad bod, but like some giant inserted V thing. <laughs> <laughs> For your pleasure. <laughs> oh. Okay. Amber, the by Disney adult, wants to know, since we know the opinion on personal cookie cakes, what do you think about mini cupcakes? Aren't they just smaller versions of an already small version of a cake? (laughs) (laughs) I've never thought about it before, but yes. Yes, it is. I still like them, though, because you could... The thing about a mini cupcake, you can just throw that whole thing back. Mm -hmm. You don't have to fuck with the icing and, you know... It is funny because, like, that's that is always my thing with a cupcake is how do you eat this in polite society? You take the bottom off and put it on top and make a cupcake sandwich. All right, Anne Hathaway. That's how you do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I see those mini cupcakes and I'm like, Mugh. you don't like mini cupcakes? Too I'm, small? No, it's 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 stupid, isn't it? I mean, it's the same stuff. <laughs> it's, the same it's just smaller. <laughs> And easier okay, to eat, had, but I, there's something about them. I see them, and they're too small. Okay, let me ask you a question. Okay. You're at a gathering. All right. It's a, it's a, what's your favorite kind of cake? I mean, I like all cakes. Okay. It's a chocolate cake It's a fun cake party. Fetty. Okay, it's fun fetty party. Okay, specifically a fun fetty party. Mm. Everybody's asked, been asked to bring some version of fun fetty. So you're in the, you're in the kitchen. Nobody else is around. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything's up for grabs, okay? Right. You see a full fun fetty cake. Right. You see Funfetti cupcakes. Mm-hmm. You see mini Funfetti cupcakes. Which one are you going for? Cake, no question. Really? Of course. But you got to get a plate and a fork and yes, a whole... Yes, and it's so much easier that way. Oh, God, I don't have to so look ridiculous. like a wild animal. Because <laughs> I got news for you. When I eat a cupcake, I have to get a plate and a fork anyway. And That's I probably... how you're eating a cupcake? Yes, because my, I cannot unhinge my jaw. That is true. My mouth opens very wide. So There's nothing weirder than watching me eat a cupcake. I guarantee right. it. Okay. So, yeah, piece of cake all the way. All right. What about you? What do you answer? I think I'd go with the cupcake. Uh, see, here's the deal. The mini cupcake would be easier, but then I'd feel like I want like three of them, and that seems greedy. And so I would just take a single full-size cupcake. Hmm. All right. Well, very good. If no one was around, I might sneak a mini cupcake first and then be like, okay, yeah, it's just me and my one regular cupcake. And then someone catches you. Yeah. And, then I'd and be they're like, I can't believe I can't believe you, you ate a mini that. cupcake and a full size cupcake. You fucking shit. monster. <laughs> yeah. Mimi's Krusty Muffin says, Brandy, I was re-listening to episode 17 where you say something along the lines of white men with big butts are in short supply. I've also (laughs) noticed you've mentioned a few times that David has a big butt. Is this what attracted you to him? And how does it feel to have a unicorn as a husband? (laughs) Um, No, it's not what attracted me to him, but it is a wonderful bonus. He's quite the bulbous booty. Hmm. It's wonderful. It's also... 
I mean, I'm just talking too much about his butt now, but it's so what? firm. Like it's Norman's is too. I know my I have a big butt, but my butt is not firm. I have a. I don't need to talk anymore about my own butt. It jiggles. It jiggle. I have a jiggle butt. Me too. Yeah, David, firm ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but what David and Norm have in common is they both grew up soccer players. So that doesn't make any sense, though. Like. <laughs> Like playing soccer in your youth guarantees you a rockin' ass for the rest of your life? If that's true, then sign everybody up for soccer right now. Ooh, Kids Bop for Racists wants to know. Brandy, I want to stop dyeing my hair and embrace the gray. What are your recommendations for the transition? Is having someone color it all to match my gray roots viable? Is there a product that will remove all the dye already in there? No, unfortunately, screwed, yeah, unfortunately there's say. not a great way to transition. The easiest way to do it is to go to a salon and have them likely like balayage where you still have color to break that up, get it as light as possible to ease the transition. But the best way is to just grow. Jesus, oh, to just smack Jesus an entire H, microphone? Yeah, just, just let it I don't it see how that's going to have any and, effect. Okay. And then just <laughs> grit your teeth through the through the grow out process. You can get it colored and then toned to a silvery tone, but that will last you approximately three shampoos. And then you're just going to have basically blonde ends with your gray roots, which is less contrast probably. So still more desirable, but... Joke's on you. She doesn't shampoo her hair. Okay. I love how stressed you look during this question, as if you were going to have to leave here today and then go and do And then go this. do this. That's immediately what I'm thinking about. Like, oh, hey, really? How would I tackle this? Yeah, absolutely. That's how I think about it in my head. Okay, how would I tackle this if this mm-hmm. yeah, was sitting in my chair? Sounds like you'd just, like, run out a window or something. <laughs> 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 There's just a brandy-sized shape in the wall, like a brandy shape in the wall as yeah. I run next like, door. I don't want to do ah! that. I'm going to be next door eating dip. Oh, Edgar Allan Poe asks, if there was a The Last of Us style zombie apocalypse, would you try to survive or would you live, laugh, toaster bath? Oh, I think about this all the time. Especially when, you know, Walking Dead first came out. It's Mm -hmm. like, I just kill myself. Me too. That's, I'm I'm not cut out for that life. Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. You know, occasionally in that show, you they'd like walk into a house where clearly an entire family had that's, offed themselves. Yep, that's that would be our house. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna watch my loved ones nope. die, then try to eat me. Nope, that's not for me. And then I end up in some compound where some dude has. Okay, well, I don't need to. Yeah, we get the it. Whole plot. <laughs> Boom Influenced wants to know, Kristen, you mentioned that you were in Michigan on this week's episode. As a Michigander living in another state, I need to know which lake is your favorite. Also, I lived in Lansing for seven years, and the thought that I could have potentially crossed paths with one of my favorite podcast hosts in that time made my soul temporarily leave my body. P.S. I hate Brandy. Oh, my God. I don't think that P.S. was really on there. Okay, so... um, the truth about Michigan is I know it's a beautiful state, mm-hmm. but I have only gone to Lansing. We only ever go to Lansing to see Norman's grandma. Yeah. And we eat at all the places she loves to eat at. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. 
I go to my favorite grocery store there. Okay. Can't remember the name of it now. Horrocks. Okay. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, we just eat a ton of food. And um, we found this great bar there last time, and we can't go back because I did something really embarrassing. <laughs> You're going to tell us? <laughs> it's Okay. <laughs> I I haven't even told you this yet. Yeah, no. This, this is the first so time hearing of embarrassing. this. Okay. So every time we go to Michigan, you know, we go to all the places that yeah. our grandma likes and everything, but we always try to do like one date night yeah. or something. So we found this bar that was really highly rated. We went there and the food was great. Um, we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to do this again. This is so yeah. great. And then we were getting ready to leave and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Um, so I go to the bathroom and I open the door. And um, our waitress is in there, uh-huh. and she's, like, clearly, like, I don't know, maybe, like, tucking her shirt into her apron or something. Okay. But, like, the toilet's not visible. There's a stall, and yeah. I'm assuming there are multiple stalls. But she looked really startled mm-hmm. when I opened the door. And so I was kind of like, oh. And she's like, oh. And so I kind of backed up yeah because she seemed so startled but then i'm like looking at the bathroom i'm like well okay so she's startled like yeah i, I need to go to the bathroom so she <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is i wanted to die uh-huh um so she's like oh no you can come on in and i, I was and at that point i'm already in there and i'm like well, what was this like an employees-only bathroom? No, no. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, I can." And I, you know, I'm, again, I'm in there. <laughs> We're in there together. She's clearly thinking this is super weird. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Why does she think this is?" Is so- this a single-person bathroom? It's like a. It's not. This is not a stall situation. This is a one person in at a time. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> there was a stall. Uh huh. But it's, it's just, just like the. It doesn't like close. Is it? Just no, like the- it did close. Okay, it, it was fully. It was fully enclosed. So I'm like, what's what's the what's problem? the problem here? You you wash your hands. I'll, I'll pee. pee. Yeah. Um. But she's like clearly like clearly I'm the first person in all of Michigan to ever come yeah. into this bathroom with mm-hmm. someone else in there, and she's like, yeah, I, I can just wash my hands here. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And so I go into the stall. I close it, and then she goes. Actually, I'll just, I can wash my hands behind the bar and then leaves. And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. I, it was the most <laughs> weird. So I weird. still, I still am not sure. What yeah, happened. I don't really know what happened to them. <laughs> so, so, and then we still had to pay the bill. <laughs> and Norm was like, this place is great. And I was like, yeah, we can never come back again. How weird did you pee? <laughs> 12 streams at you a time. You scared her on out of there. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. It was, what do you make of that? I'd have no idea. Right? I mean, but clearly it's, she, I don't know. Clearly no one, it's not a two-person thing. Yeah, obviously. But in, in my world, <laughs> if if a toilet is enclosed. Yeah, yes. 
Um, well, and also, if she didn't want somebody in there, why didn't she lock the door? Did the door lock? Well, the door looked a little sketch. I'm wondering if maybe she thought she locked oh, it. Oh, maybe. And then, boom. You come busting in. walks in, me. Demanding to pee. Pants around my ankles. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what set her uh, off. Do you think that's what <laughs> I immediately just disrobed entirely? <laughs> You're just fully nude. I was wearing a romper, so Who I Who just- knows what's going to happen here? <laughs> No, it's like that guy. What guy? That walked in there. Don't you know this story? The Home Depot story? <laughs> what happened? Okay. Oh, no. People, this guy walks into a bathroom and says, you guys better leave. I'm about to blow this place up. Oh, no. And they called the police and said this guy had made a bomb threat. He just <laughs> meant he was going to take a big old shit. <laughs> It's a real story. That really happened. That also happened at some fast food place. A guy said something like he's going to go blow it up. And they called the police. <laughs> Which, in fairness, they should call the police. How dare you? Just just quietly blow it up, yeah. sir. You don't need to tell everybody. You don't need to announce it. They'll figure it out. <laughs> You're just as uncomfortable as that waitress was. I, I'm just what? What kind of look did you have in your eye when you came in? Me? I don't. I. Oh my god. I. I still. I've replayed it in my mind so many times. I'm like, I don't. I. I know I did the wrong thing. <laughs> I don't think you did do the wrong thing, though. Well, no. In retrospect, you, when she I was alarmed, she, you should have just maybe just like backed out. Or yeah, is that, how she, would you have handled it differently? But then she was like telling me, like, no, it's fine. But she didn't mean she no, didn't it's mean fine. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Oh my gosh. If we ever do go back, I'll have to wear like a top hat and a, <laughs> like a mustache. <laughs> all right. To get inducted on this podcast, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the $7 level or higher. We are continuing to read your names and your first celebrity crushes. Okay. Very very cute, Alexis. Alexis says her name is pronounced sexy potato. (laughs) Jared Leto. (laughs) Haley P. Cole Sprouse in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh. I think it's funny that people have crushes on one of these specific twins. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like them both. One specific twin. You know these kids were Frankenstein and Big Daddy. That's who the, that kid oh. is. Yeah. Okay. He also played Ben, or they both played Ben on Friends. Anyway, this is not, I was not gonna what say. This, is here, this is not what we're here for. Mary Helen Parody. Brad Pitt. Jaywan Lee. Justin Bieber. Erica Buckwalter. Leo DiCaprio. Brad Dunshee. Chris Evans. Duh. <laughs> Anna Norman. Orlando Bloom. Jillian Alder, Macaulay Culkin, B. Deegan, Sandra Bullock, Pizza Lover, Nikki from Westlife, Hinata Huga. Okay. No first celebrity crush. I am ace slash ARO. First celebrity admiration, Kel from Keenan and Kel. Ooh, nice yeah. choice. Strong yeah, choice. Absolutely. Jenna McDaniel, Ryder Strong, Kiana, Corbin Blue, Tessa Britt, Hugh Laurie. Stephanie Winnie, Batman, 
not Bruce Wayne, not any of the actors who played Batman, Batman. I was only eight, but I knew that Bat could get it. (laughs) (laughs) Gracie Lou Freebush. Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, not the live-action one, animated Shaggy only. Oh, we're getting weird in here. (laughs) Amanda. Joey Lawrence from Blossom. Whoa. Whoa. Sarah Bennett. Jared Padalecki. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Catherine Lister. Morton Harkett from Aha. Take on me. Take on me. You're welcome, Catherine. <laughs> Hannah Emerson. <laughs> Devin Sawa in Now and Then. Lily Kimler. Nick Jonas. Katie Rogala. Frankie Muniz. Welcome to the Supreme Court! (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the New York Times, the BBC, and an episode of the show Justice Files. I got my info from an episode of See No Evil, reporting for KTLA 5 News, New York Daily News, and Oxygen. .com or the Oh air. yeah, .com, yeah. Not the air. <laughs> For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. <laughs>